Welcome to another episode of the Penzu Podcast. I'm Nathan Oren, and I've spent the last three and a half years sharing with as many people as I can about the power and the benefits of keeping a private journal. And I'm so delighted to be here as the host for this podcast series because Penzu is among the top journaling apps available. And that's because they put in mega effort to helping people get the very most out of their journal writing experience. This episode, I'm really proud to bring you an interview with a man who has probably touched your life in an inspiring way. If you have never been to one of Jack Canfield's trainings, seminars, or workshops, then you no doubt know somebody who has, or at least you've heard or read some of his books. He's the author of The Success Principles and also the originator behind the Chicken Soup for the Soul series. And last year, I was personally invited to contribute a chapter on the secrets of expressive writing in his newest book series called The Soul of Success. It's available on Amazon. And I was so excited to be able to share my work with his audience. Today, you'll hear Jack talk about some of the stories behind the scenes of the Chicken Soup books and also learn what goes on inside the head of America's leading business and success coach when he's met with adversity. He shares his own journal writing tips and I know that you'll enjoy his personal charm and charisma as much as I did. Please enjoy this conversation with Jack Canfield. Hello, Jack. Welcome to Journal Talk and the Penzu Podcast. My pleasure to join you, Nate. Thanks for having me. Sure. It's really an honor to have you here. And before I begin, I wanted to be sure and say thank you for the many ways you've touched my life. I've learned a lot from you. And one thing specific that I really admire about your coaching style is the way that you synthesize so much material from vast pools of resources into really simple, easy-to-manage steps with guaranteed results. It's amazing. Well, I appreciate that. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, I consider uh, the success principles to be sort of an all-inclusive encyclopedia of everything that every great master has ever has ever taught <laughs> on uh, how to get results that you want in your life. But it, it's really broken down into concrete principles and exercises. And the most amazing thing about it is that it's actually doable. And I thank you for that. Congratulations, by the way, for the 10th anniversary. How does that feel? Well, you know, it's really exciting just to go back to an earlier statement that you said, I really set out to write a book. If you could only read one book on success in your life and it would have everything you need in it, this would be it. Now, obviously, you need to read about your profession, if it's internet marketing or journaling in your case, whatever. But the idea being that the basic principles would be there for all time, like a think and grow rich for the current time in history. Mm -hmm. So I think I achieved that based on the feedback. We sold about a million books in 27 languages around the world. And the 10th anniversary book, we really wanted to do something very unique, which was the first book, most of the stories that illustrate the principles, so I wanted stories to say, hey, these principles work. So I interviewed 75 of the most successful people in North America from you know, people like Steve Jobs and Bill Gates and people like that. But a lot of people can't relate to those people because they're just such icons. So mm. the new book, we now have almost all the principles were illustrated by stories of people who read the first book, applied the principles to their life, and had amazing results. 
Mm. So it's much more accessible to the average person to believe it's possible for them. So, you know, it's hard to believe 10 years have gone by so fast, but mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. it's exciting. The success stories are unbelievable and they're in the book. Yeah, yeah, that's great. And uh, I did start, I got the uh, the downloadable version, the audio, and I've been working my way through it. And, and you're right. I hadn't noticed that now until you said that. It's been a while since I've actually read the original. But now that you say that, yeah, that, that really pops out. Jack, and I also want to acknowledge you for the generosity that you've demonstrated in sharing your success with other people. I very much enjoyed the experience of contributing to Volume 1 of The Soul of Success with you. That was a mm -hmm. huge opportunity to share my personal keys of success, which have been the lifelong habit of expressive writing. So I just want to say thank you for sharing that opportunity with me. Well, you know, you wrote a really great chapter. I reread it again last night in preparation for the interview, and I did a lot of underlining. And what's exciting about that book is not only did you write a great chapter, almost everyone in that book wrote a great chapter. Yes. So it's a collection of amazing amount of wisdom spread out over a number of areas of our life, whether it's relationships, finance, personal development, spiritual growth. Yes. So it's a great, great volume, and I'm very proud of it, and I'm glad that you were in it. Yeah, yeah, thank you. I remember our book launch party down in Hollywood where we were celebrating the Soul of Success making the bestseller list. This was just a, a few months ago. All mm -hmm. 60 of us co-authors had a chance to meet each other face-to-face, -face, and we stood in line to get our photo with you and holding the book, and, and I can't I've been meaning to ask you, you were standing there under those bright, hot lights with numerous cameras on you for what probably seemed like hours, smiling as if, you know, each person there were, it was like the first time you were smiling that evening. You remember that? I do. I think it was four hours. And um, <laughs> You must have been exhausted, but you could not tell from your face. Well, you know, I wasn't really exhausted. I really love people. I really love supporting people. I love people that are committed to making a difference in other people's lives. I remember the longest book signing I ever did was from five o'clock till midnight, which was seven hours oh my for goodness. a group. There's a multi-level marketing company called Party Light. They do home parties for candles. I, that's, that's how I first met you. I was in St. Louis, Missouri. Was that uh, 2003, 2004? Somewhere around that time, yeah. I was in the audience, Jack. <laughs> well, there were 7,000 people in that room, if you remember. <laughs> yes. And I spoke from 2 o'clock till 5 o'clock, and I signed books from 5 o'clock till midnight. And if you remember, Nathan, there was almost like a hurricane outside that went, went through St. It Louis that It was warm, night. yes. And I had no idea any of that had happened because we were in the inner sanctum. Uh, uh -huh. And we go out there and the traffic lights are blown over and <laughs> trees are blown down. And, and I just signed books. I think I went to the bathroom once, didn't eat dinner. Oh, and man. A couple glasses of water. But, you know, I love meeting people who want to be more successful, people who want to live a life of service, of helping other people, of empowering mm -hmm. and inspiring people. So that doesn't take energy out of me. It energizes me. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Yeah. Uh, if people don't know you from the success principles, they certainly do know you from the Chicken Soup for the Soul series. And that series has certainly become a, a worldwide landmark uh, in the terrain of motivational storytelling. And I remember at that event and, and several other times, you've told some remarkable stories about how those books came to be and the struggle. It was something like 144 publishers that had turned you down in the first year and a half before even one would agree to print. Is that right? Yeah. What happened is we finished the book and we took it to New York to sell it with an agent. Mm -hmm. At about, I think we had about 
think we had our three days. We had about seven meetings a day, so about 21 meetings with the big 22, they call it, publishers, Simon & Schuster, HarperCollins, mm-hmm. Harcourt Brace, those. And um, they all said no. And they all said, uh, it's a stupid title. People don't read short stories. It's too nicey-nice. It's all too positive. And, um, you know, it's true that people did not read collections of short stories that were literature. They just didn't hang together. But this book we knew was going to be successful because, you know, I get standing ovations every time I give a talk somewhere. Mm-hmm. So basically our agent gave us the book back and said, I can't sell it. And so you guys, you know, sorry. So we just kept trying. And then eventually there was a friend of mine told me there was this book expo that takes place uh, every year. That year was in Anaheim, California. I was living in Santa Monica at the time. So I thought, well, I'll drive down, buy a ticket, go in. There were 4,000 publishers that have booths there. Mm. 4,000. A lot of them were little independent presses with two or three books. But we went from booth to booth to booth for three days. And it was late on the third day. We got no, 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 no every day. And late on the third day, this little publisher from Florida named Health Communications, Inc., said, we'll read it. <laughs> so they took it home. They read it. And about a week later, they called us up and said, we'd like to publish it. Nice. And we said, great. How much of an advance are you offering us? They said, we don't do advances. <laughs> I said, okay. <laughs> How many books do you think you'll sell? They said, well, maybe 20,000. And Mark and I said, well, that's not our vision. Our vision is 150000 by Christmas because it was going to come out in July uh-huh. and a million and a half in a year and a half. And our publisher laughed at us. I don't know if anyone's ever laughed out loud at you when you shared a dream with them. But I mean, he literally guffawed oh, and wow. he said, you guys are crazy. And I said, no, we're entrepreneurial. And so what happened was we sold 135000 by Christmas and we sold $1.3 million in a year and a half. So we missed it by a little bit, but he stopped laughing. <laughs> and now he owns a $34 million Falcon jet with gold fixtures in the bathroom <laughs> as a result of the success of the book, which have now sold wow, wow. 500 million copies in 50 languages. Yeah, yeah. Amazing, amazing. Well, I'd like to know what kept you inspired to keep going, even when it seemed like failure was just ready to meet you at every turn. It, it sounds like it was a, a core, you know, I've heard you say having a core belief in what you're doing, but in your words, what kept you going? What was inspiring to you about that? I think two things. One was every time we would tell those stories at a talk or in a seminar, people would just love them. And they would come up afterwards and say, that story about the Girl Scout who sold 3,000 boxes of Girl Scout cookies in one year, or that story about the kid with one leg who climbed Mount Everest, or that story about the kid with a false leg who became a tennis champion in college. My son needs to read that. My daughter needs to read that. My Mm. sales team needs to hear that. Is that in a book anywhere? And so we knew there was a market. It's just that the people to be in publishing didn't know there was a market. Mm -hmm, Much mm -hmm. like when The Secret came out, no one thought that would sell. But 12 million people bought that movie in a year. And it it revealed that there was a market there that wanted to read inspiring and empowering literature. I think the other thing, a term I didn't have at the time, but Simon Sinek has come up with it since then, was having a big why. It was, what's your why? Mm. If your why is just personal greed, it's not big enough to motivate you past all the rejection. But if your why is something that's a divine obsession, if your why is something you've been guided through your inner guidance to bring into the world, to express, if your why is big enough because you want to serve people, I mean, our tagline for the book was changing the world one story at a time. Mm -hmm. We really wanted to contribute to a world working better for everybody. So 
I think that that's why we would have self-published eventually, but I really didn't want to become a publisher. I wanted mm-hmm. to become a selling author and not have to warehouse books and do all the printing and publicity and sell things to Costco and Borders and all that. So fortunately, in the time that we had given ourselves, you know, we found a publisher. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's wonderful. And yeah, those are exciting times. Now, what's new in the world of Jack Canfield? People heard about the success principles for a while now and Chicken Soup for the Soul. I'm starting to meet some of the graduates now coming out of the Train the Trainer programs, which is so exciting. Mm-hmm. What are some of the maybe lesser heard of uh, projects that you've been Well, I think the two big ones that are in motion at the moment, one is we have an online train-the-trainer program. We started with a live train-the-trainer program, teaching people how to teach the success principles experientially, meaning it's not just we're going to sit there and talk at you. You can read the book. But what are exercises that we can do to help you come up with your breakthrough goal, your life purpose, your mission, your vision, your values? Mm -hmm. How do we help you break through the limiting beliefs and the blocks, the fears that stop us from taking the actions that we need to take in order to go ahead and fulfill our dreams? How do we get over the limitations of even being willing to dream big? A lot of people are living in resignation and fear and hopelessness Mm -hmm. and anger about it. You know, you see what, if you look at the election cycle that's going on now with all the campaigning, people are angry, people are frustrated, people Mm -hmm. are living in a sense of like, well, maybe I I can't live the American dream. So for me, and it's not just the American dream, I think there's a dream all around the world where people want to do better and be better. So what we did was we created a three-week program. There's a week every four months and people would come and learn and go back and teach and come back and learn more and go back and teach and coach and come back and learn more. Mm-hmm. And I was in Oman and Bahrain, Kuwait, Qatar, Bahrain, over those places in the Middle East about two years ago. And everyone there said, I want to do this. I want to do this work. I want to train in the schools, in the government, in mm. the business. But I can't afford to come to the United States three times. I can't get a visa three times. You know, what can you do for us? Well, I couldn't go there three times. We just didn't have the bandwidth to do that. Sure. So we spent $300,000 in two years developing this online program where we videotaped an entire year of a training. And then we edited it down to the 40 hours of actual instruction where people weren't actually talking to each other. We took all that out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so now we've, we've had about 800 people go through that. The feedback we're getting, Nathan, is unbelievable. People are saying, not only am I now a better trainer, teacher, coach, whatever, but I'm a better parent. It's, I didn't realize it was going to be such personal growth that would occur. Mm, I'm a better mm-hmm. spouse. I'm no longer blaming, complaining, and whining. I'm taking 100% responsibility for my mm-hmm. life. I've uncovered deep-seated you know, limiting beliefs I had that I didn't know. And you know, like this one woman, Penny Mangado in the Philippines in Manila, took the course. And she now has just signed a contract for 12 trainings for the government. And she emailed me just a couple of days ago saying they now want 12 more. And she's doing general <laughs> public workshops and People, you know, the investments, you know, about $4,000, $5,000, something like that. But people are earning that back in the first two workshops. They sure, so sure. My goal, my dream, and this is a little outrageous, but then I said we're going to sell a billion books by 2020, and no one believed me, and we're <laughs> up to over a half a billion with six years to go or five years to go. And so what's happening is that we now have the vision, the dream, the commitment to have a million people teaching the success principles trained online by 2030. Wow. And if, if, a, if a million people 
train a thousand people a year, which is 20 groups of 50 people or whatever, uh, we'll reach all 8 billion people on the planet, which they propose we'll have by them. Wow. Uh, by the 2038. So, you know, outrageous goal, but we have people teaching it in schools in Africa. They're teaching it in some of the villages in Tibet where the earthquake took over. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. You know, so, Anything's possible, but you first have to envision it and then believe in it. And um, as we'll talk about more, journal about the things that are important to come up and face that might be stopping you from doing it. Yeah, yeah, very good. And the other thing I just want to talk about, I had a book come out uh, January 19th. Yes, yeah, please. We were recording this just a couple weeks ago. It's called The 30-Day Sobriety Solution, How to Cut Back or Quit Drinking in the Privacy of Your Own Home. And it's literally a 30-day program that we're now about, for some people, about 15 days into. And the feedback we're getting is amazing. People Mm. are saying like, you know, every Friday I would go drink a six pack with the guys. It was beer night. Now it's pizza and family movie night, you know. Mm. And I thought I wouldn't be able to do it, but I'm doing it. And so we take people through, again, vision, purpose, life purpose, uh, values, uh, limiting beliefs, visualizing your future. If you keep drinking, visualizing your future if you stop. And every day there's a journaling assignment. So mm-hmm, it's really mm-hmm. relevant to our conversation here that some of the greatest, the greatest insights that are coming up for people is when they're journaling about the day's lesson. So mm-hmm, it's very exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. That is fantastic. I'm really glad to hear that's taking off. I did see the announcements go by my inbox when, when it's on. And so I was curious. So thank you. That That's uh, that's great. I need to take a quick break, and when we come back, Jack, I want to find out a little bit about your own personal journal keeping and how it's been beneficial for you. Maybe you can share with us a tip for getting the most out of the blank page. Sound okay? Sure. All right. We'll be right back. Hi. This is Nathan Oren with another Penzu journaling tip. Have you ever been typing away in your journal and you realize you forgot to save? Ugh. Or have you ever gone back and made changes to your journal entry only to realize that you deleted or lost a whole section of important material? Well, most electronic word processors, of course, have that undo button so you can undo the most recent change. But the Penzu journal has something way more powerful. Whenever you're inside a specific journal entry, you can see in the upper right-hand corner a little icon for version control. And whether you click on the Save button or not, Penzu is constantly saving different versions of that entry for you in the background so you can always go back to any previous version that you want. And when you click on version control, you'll see a list of all the automatically saved versions for that entry ordered by date and time. And you can preview as many versions of you as you want um, until you find the one that you like. And when you click on the option to restore a specific version, it gives you a choice between overwriting the current journal entry or creating a brand new journal entry based on the version that you selected. (laughs) Powerful stuff for an electronic journal if you ask me. Now, if you don't have this feature in your Penzu app, it's really easy to upgrade to Penzu Pro Plus. And for about the price of one paper notebook and a nice pen per year, you can have version control, double backups, 
import and export, a customized look and feel to suit your mood, and of course military grade encryption for your journal. Penzu Pro Plus also offers premium tech support in case you have any questions about any of these features or for those times when you just need a little extra technical help in settling your journal. Now, back to the Penzu podcast with this month's special guest, Jack Canfield. I hope you're enjoying. This is Nathan Oren with Journal Talk and the Penzu Podcast, and I'm back with Mr. Jack Canfield, most well-known as the co-creator of the series of inspiring stories known as the Chicken Soup for the Soul, but he's gone on to being a leadership and success coach with his book, The Success Principles, and we've just been talking about some of the other exciting projects that he has going on. It's mind-boggling, (laughs) earth-shattering. Jack, welcome back. My pleasure, Nathan. Thanks for having me again. There's a sense of me, there's some tickle in me that wants to ask, as if you were some other guest, I would say, how do you manage all this? How do you stay on top of everything? But because it's you, <laughs> the answer seems kind of obvious. You wrote the success principles. Right. <laughs> um, true. Seriously, though, what happens inside when you take a step back from all that you're doing and, and just let it all sink in? Well, at some level, it's hard to comprehend. I mean, over a million people have bought the success principles now in one form or another in 27 countries. And, you know, I travel around the world and people tell me they started businesses, they got off welfare, they started a magazine, uh, they become millionaires. Mm -hmm. And it's exciting. And I remember, you know, at one point with the Chicken Soup series that we were selling 13 million copies in one year. And I don't know what the exact number per day is anymore, but if you divide 365 into 13 million, it'll give you a number. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I remember being invited to give the commencement speech at the University of Phoenix down in Orange County. And I thought, oh, 20 minutes, no big deal. I'm in, I'm out. And I forgot that I had to sit there while 1,200 people walked across <laughs> the stage to get their diplomas. So I'm sitting there. And one of my friends once taught me, he said, you always have to turn a, a have to into a get to. So mm. I said, how can I turn this into a, a get to? And I thought, well, this is about how many people are buying my book every hour, you know? Mm. So I'm just going to thank everyone as they walk across the stage going, thank you for buying a copy. Thank you for buying a copy. Thank you for buying a copy. Thank wow. you for sending wow. me to college, you know, et cetera. So it's just incomprehensible. We've sold more chicken soup books than there are people who live in America, you know, 500 million versus I think it's <laughs> yeah. 315 million. And in India, I've been to India several times and had book signings where 300 people signed up. But the thing is there, everyone passes books around. It, mm-hmm. One book might be read by 20 people because mm-hmm. they just can't afford to buy a lot of books. So God knows how many people have actually benefited from the books. But I sleep well at night. I um, enjoy my life. I feel proud. If I were to die tomorrow, I think I've fulfilled my purpose on earth. And uh, mm-hmm. even though I've got more to do and want to do, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, my life purpose is to inspire and empower people to live their highest vision in a context of love and joy in harmony with the highest good of all concerned. Mm. And, and that's what I do every day. And I, yeah, and I, yeah. I, I wake up with that intention. That's beautifully said. That's beautifully said. Thank you. And I'm curious what role you've brought up uh, journal writing exercises and you mentioned it earlier, you know, just in this interview, but I've heard you talk and it's all in your books too about um, taking a pen and getting some thoughts down, whether it's visualization or, list making, whatever it might be, what role has journal writing played in your own success? 
Well, it started out rather simply that when someone told me to keep a victory log, which is just every day, write down all of your victories, because we tend to focus on all of our failures and mm-hmm. the things on the to-do list we didn't get done instead of focusing on the ones we do. Mm-hmm. So it all began with that. And I kept a journal all through graduate school and my first years of teaching. And then I could review that. And it was very esteem building. But then I ran into some people who were doing journal writing at a much deeper level and took a workshop on it, actually, and began keeping a journal. I teach something in the morning I recommend to people called the Hour of Power, mm-hmm. which is 20 minutes of meditation, 20 minutes of reading something really uplifting, and 20 minutes of uh, aerobic exercise, and then do some journal writing after that or as part of the hour if you wanted to. When I come out of my meditation, I always journal for a few minutes, and it could be what I'm grateful for. Mm-hmm. It could be what aha or insight I had. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the title for Chicken Soup for the Soul, which became a brand that's now worth $100 million, came from a meditation. Wow. And, uh and you and I know when you meditate or have a dream, if you don't write it down, sometimes you forget uh, oh, what you even even the insight you had. So I didn't want to not get that one. So I <laughs> I can remember having this chalkboard appear in my meditation. A hand came out and wrote chicken soup on the chalkboard because I was meditating, asking for a title. We didn't have a title, and it was on a third day that I was doing it. And this, I, I said to the hand, I said, "What does chicken soup have to do with my book?" And it said, "Your grandmother gave you chicken soup when you were a kid." when you were sick. And I said, but this is not a book about sick people. And the voice said, uh, this is, people's spirits are sick. Uh, it was a great mm. recession in 1993 and uh, first Gulf War and people were losing their homes like they did recently. And so I thought chicken soup for the spirit, chicken soup for the soul. And then I got goosebumps. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and as we alluded to earlier, I got goosebumps. My partner got goosebumps. My wife got goosebumps. My agent got goosebumps. Went to New York. Twenty-two publishers. Nobody got goosebumps. <laughs> Nobody else got goosebumps. <laughs> no. But I'm glad uh, you had your pen that day when you when yeah, you came out of that meditation. Exactly. But you know, I often will give myself a question in meditation, like, you know, uh, what's the one thing I should focus on today to be most effective, mm. or what's the next step in my personal growth, or, um, you know. How can I get rid of the clutter in my office? It just keeps piling up, you know? Mm. And I don't always get an instant answer, but eventually I do. And sometimes I get a vague answer and I start writing about it because I want to capture it. And then I get clarity just from the writing of it. Yes. And yes. so the writing and, – and, you know, the other thing is we know that when you write, you're engaging – a part of the brain, you're also engaging your physical body. And there's a more holistic thing that goes on. That's why I love to write books. They clarify your thinking. And journal writing does that for me as well. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's interesting. My wife started that journal a few years ago. And I started reading it with her permission, of course. Mm-hmm. And she was such a good writer. I said, Inga, you have a book here. She said, get out of here. I said, no, <laughs> this is eminently readable stuff. You know, normally you write for yourself. And she was working out a lot of stuff. Her father committed suicide when she was eight. Her mother was a big star in the theater in- industry in San Diego, mm-hmm. won all kinds of awards. And so she, she's writing this, what I call an episodic memoir, which is just journal entries yeah, that yeah. will seek in some kind of creative way. And it's called Out of the Shadow because it was out of the shadow of her mother, out of the shadow of her father's death, out of the shadow of me being a celebrity into standing in her own light. So you never know. I wish I had kept a journal earlier in my life because eventually I'd like to write an autobiography. And there's a lot of stuff I'm sure I'm never yes. going to remember yes. if I had. You know? 
Yeah, there are many people who, and I'm one of them. I had no idea that I would want to turn my stories into something more. I've gone back through the collection many times, and I pick out things that there's universal messages in this. And um, like yeah. you said, whether you're, you know, whether you've made it to the uh, the bestseller list on the New York Times for was it six or seven books uh, all at one time or not. Seven, um, yeah. Seven. Congratulations. Thank you. Or you haven't done those things. There are still so many, you know, personal dramas and traumas and successes, victories, anguishes and triumphs and uh, universal messages that could turn into uh, something really amazing, even if just a few other people have read it. Well, you know, just in Inga's writing, you know, first I read it, then I had my kids read it, then her mother read it, then her sister. And I mean, even if she just self-published it and shared it with 20 friends, the, the reading, it, it's so, you know, the thing is that this is what most writers don't realize. And I sometimes teach people how to be, you know, writers mm -hmm. is that the most personal is the most universal. And people think they have to have some big universal flowery message. And actually that gets in the way of good writing, in my opinion, mm. the more personal, vulnerable, raw, authentic you are, the more it's relatable to. People yes. can relate to you and go, oh my God, me too. Mm -hmm. And so I think journal writing also gives you the courage to share your inner process with other people once you've shared it with yourself. And another thing for me, Nathan, is I did a lot of journal writing where I would have dialogues with parts of myself. I am someone who believes we have many sub-personalities. Mm -hmm. You know, the greedy one, the lover, the sexy one, the child, <laughs> you know, all that kind of stuff, the, mm -hmm. the mythical hero. You know, some of those parts are not also nice, you know, but we have to own them. And one of the ways to own them is to give them a voice and let them write through you onto the page and then dialogue back with them. Yes. And I had some major breakthroughs in terms of my own parts of myself that I was squelching because I thought they weren't, you know, okay to let out. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. My anger, my dirty sense of humor sometimes, you know, whatever. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I love jokes, you know. And so, and I grew up, it was like, you don't say those things in public, you know. Right, right. And yet, when I acknowledge my feelings about those things, people go, oh, me too. Mm -hmm, and they, mm -hmm, of course. Yeah, so I think <laughs> someone wrote a book called Radical Honesty, a guy named Brad Blanton. He said, we'd all really just tell the truth to ourselves and each other. Life would be so much easier. Mm -hmm. But we all go around pretending to be what we're not. So we'll be lovable. But in the process, we end up not loving ourselves. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's a sad truth. And I think that as more people get into the habit of expressive writing, even if it is just for themselves, as you said, they get in touch with their authenticity. And it's one of the threads of world peace. And it's like the, it's, it's one of the, the pieces of the fabric. Well, let me tell you my latest breakthrough in journal writing, because I think it's kind of interesting. Yes. For me. Yeah, please. Because my office, if you were to visit most times, it's, it, it looks like. Which is like 10 minutes away from me, by the way. Yeah, well, it, it's like it, it is such – it just looks like a used bookstore. Oh, yeah? With too many books. And it's kind of like a person gets fat because they take in more calories than come out. Uh -huh. So everyone sends me books to review and to give them quotes. Oh, I and bet. Yeah. Manuscripts. And then I get letters and I there's stuff I want to excerpt the quotes from to put in a quote book I think I want to write someday, which I don't think I will now because everything's on the internet, so why bother? But <laughs> – you know, it was just overwhelming me. And so I, I asked myself to journal about, like, you know, what is all this clutter about? I want to get rid of the clutter. And, and what came up in that journaling was it's not about the objects. I think it was Einstein or someone said you can't 
change an external problem unless you deal with the internal conflict. Mm. So what I realized was all the books that are still in my office, number one, I think I need to read them because I don't know enough. And that's mm. ridiculous because I know so much it's insane. And so there's this deep-seated inadequacy sub personality that lives inside of me. It comes from my childhood. And when I realize that who I am is enough because I the, my love is enough, mm. love is healing, the space I create is healing, and I know enough about EFT and NLP and Gestalt therapy, and if I never learned another thing, I can be of great value to most people. Absolutely. And then I've got all these letters I never answered. And it's like I had this image as I was writing of all these little eyeballs looking up from each page going, pay attention to me, answer me, help me, you know. <laughs> it was like, I don't want to be a not nice guy, you know. And so I realized it's impossible, you know. Yeah. And uh, yeah. so I just – once I realized that I'm enough – and it's not my job to heal everyone on the planet, but but I can heal more people by writing my books and doing my seminars than answering one email at a time. I, it literally changed for me. I, mm. I was like stoned all day. I mean, I just felt like I was in a state of bliss and, and love. Nice. People would go, what happened to you? I said, well, I just had this epiphany. It was a major breakthrough, and it's, yeah. it hasn't changed. It's like that saying, you do you. Exactly. Yeah. And when you do you, then the other things will fall into place. And people understand. People get it that you're busy. Jack, as we start to wrap up here, I wanted to ask, uh, uh, what's the best way, now that you've said all that, uh, I don't want to discourage people who do want to uh, pop you a line or something, or if there is a way, the best way to interact with you, what that might be. And then I understand you have something special that you'd like to offer uh, our listeners today. So uh, sure. uh, tell us about that. Well, if people want to communicate to me, you can just send an email to info, I-N-F-O, at jackcanfield.com. If it's something my staff can answer, they will. If they can't, they'll forward it to me and I will answer it. Secondly, if you go to my website, uh, jackcanfield.com, you can click on a thing called the 10-Day Transformation, uh, 10-Day uh, you know, Success Challenge, we call it. And uh, what happens is you'll get an email every day for 10 days that includes a three-minute video of me talking about a success principle and then giving you a, a way to to uh, actualize that principle in your life for that day. A little kind of a act as if or a little homework you do like to mm -hmm. appreciate five people or something like that. Also, if you're listening to this, you can simply text to this number 96000. That's 96000. Just text the word Jack. That's my name, Jack, J A C K, to 96000. And uh, you'll get a, a reply and you'll just uh, acknowledge that reply. And then you'll be signed up for the 10 day transformation. We've had people have major life changing breakthroughs in those 10 days. Mm -hmm. And then if you like that, then you may want to come take one of our trainings. We have a, a training coming up at the end of February, another one in August for the general public. We have our Train the Trainer program live. We have our online Train the Trainer program. And we have books and tapes and all that. Tapes, I still say tapes, CDs and <laughs> MP3 downloads. You know, what can I tell you? I was born in 1944. But basically, it's all there. And uh, it's uh, my goal is to help people. Everything we do is really reasonably yes. priced yes. because uh, we want to help as many people as we can uh, have your dreams come true. Have the life you want. 
I will just say about the 10-day transformation or the success challenge, I'm on day four, and I want to say it is really great. It's filled with uh, the three-minute videos are great, That's but it's almost like the behind-the-scenes, the homework that you do, the, the other little perks and gifts that you share throughout. It's been really neat, and it's been a really good reminder. For example, the uh, Take 100% Responsibility I loved rewatching. I hadn't seen that video. You shared a, a like a 38-minute video as a part of that. And I hadn't seen that in such a long time. I, I don't know when that was from. It must have been recorded some while ago. But it had so many great examples. And you were talking candidly with an audience. And it was like I was taking – it reminded me of taking a workshop directly with you. It, it's been really nice. Right. Well, I'll say that that video comes from our online train the trainer program. That's where it came from. And just so people don't get discouraged, uh, you don't have to watch that 38 minute video. That's no, a bonus yeah, video. yeah, it was a bonus. But yeah, there's a 30 minute video that talks about the general concept. <laughs> and I'll just say again, jackcanfield.com, just do forward slash transformation. That'll take you right to the landing page you want to be on. Super, super. Jack, thank you again for your time. And thanks for making transformation so available to people. You're a role model for me. And I appreciate you being here. My pleasure, Nathan. Thanks for the opportunity to speak to your followers. You bet. That's our show for today. Thanks again for listening. If you don't already have a free Penzu account, I highly recommend going to penzu.com or searching for Penzu, P-E-N-Z-U, in whatever app store you go to. It's never too late to start journaling. You can learn more about this episode at podcast.penzu.com. And if you'd like to contact me directly, I'm at Nathan, N-A-T-H-A-N, at penzu.com. This episode of the Penzu Podcast is copyright by Write for Life, an online resource for living with passion, clarity, and purpose. For more information about that, you can visit nathanoren.com or writeforlife.com. Until next time, keep moving, keep learning, and keep on writing. <laughs>